We talked about meditating this morning. Now we just clipped on to memorization. What a beautiful thing. Have your Bibles. Psalm 1. I'm going to ask Brother Al to come on down here to the front. And uh, we've been talking through a number of things this week. And uh, I, I was planning on working my way through this psalm uh, tonight. And um, Al had already done the work for me. And uh, I thought, you know what? Why don't we just take a few minutes? And what I'm going to do, Al, do you want me to read that for you first? Sure. Just read the passage. And uh, together you stay. Get right there in your seat there, buddy. And uh, then you're going to be on live at 5 here. And uh, we got here, we're, there's no place to go, right? It's spring, so we just might as well stay inside. And uh, so uh, we won't be long. But I, I want him to share some of the key things that he was talking to us as men about on Saturday morning. Uh, it was really, really cool when you look at this psalm. And it fits with what we were talking about last Sunday night and also this, this morning. Because when we jump into the Sermon on the Mount, it starts with blessed are, Right? And so now we get an example. What does it look like? Chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight. Man, that's what we, we just saw that here tonight. I could say her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, she meditated day and night. That's cool. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. She even used that verse from another passage of Scripture. That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This may have been, am I on? The most dangerous thing you have ever done. Brother Wayne and I go out to lunch at least once a week. I usually pay. (laughs) Because he keeps saying to me, I paid last week. He knows I have memory problems. And he asked me if I was coming out tonight, if I was feeling good. Well, I'm not feeling good, but I'm here. So he has promised to pay from now on. (laughs) We're changing restaurants as well. Uh, What we were doing when we get together is we just talk about what's going on. What he's reading, what I'm reading. And... uh, Somehow, because I was reading Psalm 1, I said, I haven't outlined this yet, and I really have to outline something before I can understand it. So instead of resting this afternoon, I spent hours outlining this thing so I could share it with you. But I I have five points, and I'm just going to take a few minutes. Were you planning on speaking after this? Okay, cool. He told me I had five. Now that's just been expanded. Uh, One of the things that... uh, our sister has shown us tonight is that she is a blessed person, a blessed person. When you are going through tragedies and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, there are just so many horrifying things that, that go through your heart and mind. 
this psalm is about the blessed man. And it's never singular. It's always blessings to this man. And there's something special about this man who is blessed because the first thing he talks about is he has an advantage over others. That's my first point. This blessed man has an advantage over other people. And his advantage really is God. I mean, he can live in a different country. He can go through different uh, circumstances. But his advantage over people who are not blessed, because everybody is not blessed. If it was, he would have said everybody is blessed, but not everybody's not blessed. This man is blessed for various reasons. And it's a positive negative. The blessing is positive, but the way he introduces this psalm is a negative. He's blessed for the things he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scornful of the scornful. In other words, he has some boundaries. He has some limits. And nowadays, it's almost sinful to say to somebody, you have to stop here. You can't go beyond this boundary. You have to have some limitations as to what you're going to do. Cervantes said in the 13th century, before a man can do things, there must be some things he, he will not do. And this man is blessed because there are some things he will not do. He will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or hang around sinners. Now you say, well, if you're a believer, you're obviously not doing that. No, you can do this as a believer. You can listen to the counsel of what you're supposed to do when you get in a tragedy or what you're supposed to do when you have loss or what you're supposed to do when you have more loss than blessings because this is a positive negative. He's blessed for the things he doesn't do. But for some of us, that's, the, that's what we want. We, do, we don't want our kids to do certain things. We don't want certain things to happen to our families. And he's not only talking about the advantage that he has over others. My second point is he has an aversion to evil. It's this evil that he's keeping himself separated from. It's, it's not people, it's just the evil it's the ungodliness. It's four times in King James he calls this, this ungodly thing. Their counsel, their influence, their attitude. He's strong, this blessed man, in his life. He's blessed and he wants this to last. Um, so as we're talking in the car, I didn't have it outlined yet, but this guy, thirdly, has an addiction to God. Here's the positive, positive now, his addiction to God. He doesn't do certain things, and that's good. Christians should set limits. But if that's all you do, you just haven't done a lot of things and not a lot of positive things. His addiction is to God. He, what he does do is he meditates or his delight is in the law of God. That's the whole Bible. And on this law, he meditates day and night. It's, it's not a commandment that you must do this. It's, it's a delight to do this. 
this addiction to God. He doesn't say, I have to have my devotions. I now have to have my reading. I, I now have to do this for God. This is a delight for him. His delight is in God. So what he's doing is he's muttering. That's what the word means. I was in the bank the other day, and the teller was talking, and I'm deaf. And she was going, and I said, ma'am, I have no idea in the world what you just said. She said, I was talking to myself. That's what meditation means. It means to mumble to yourself. Except what you're mumbling to yourself is God. This addiction that you have to God so permeates you. This, this is what blesses you. It's not only what you not it's not only what you don't do. It's this addiction that you do. In his law, he meditates day and night. So I usually do this when I'm driving. I, I talk to myself. I preach to myself. I, I ask questions about the text. And, and it's very, very helpful. And I would recommend it to you. If you're home alone, not walking down the street, because you could get arrested for that, um, but if you're home alone, just ask lots and lots of questions. What is this like? What does this blessed man look like? Well, you mentioned it tonight. And this is my uh, fourth point. He has an, this blessed man has an attraction to other people. He not only doesn't sin, and his addiction is God... But he's very attractive to other people. He is like a tree. Now, that doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? Hi, sweetheart, you look like a tree. I don't think anybody's going to warm up to that. But if you realize that God started out with trees and ends up with trees, trees are very important to God. In the midst of this paradise garden was a tree that was supposed to give man eternal life if he had not sinned, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that one he ate from, and now he's not blessed anymore. In fact, he's cursed, and the earth is cursed with him. And he's out of touch with God. He can't be meek in Matthew 5. He can't thirst after righteousness. He's lost now. So what's the attraction of this blessed man? He knows God. He's different from the people around him. He is like a tree that is planted by the streams of water. Jeremiah says, talks about this tree in 17. And he says, you can tell a blessed man when tragedy comes. He's different. He handles it differently. Yes, he cries. Yes, it upsets him but it doesn't curse him. See, if I'm addicted to God and I study his word and I ask questions about him and I mumble to myself about him, then he says, you're like a tree which is planted by the water. That's what the tree needs above everything else because the sun's going to shine. He needs the water. And it's water courses. It's water from every which way. He's going to meet your need through other people, through cancellations, through all kinds of intricate ways, his purpose is to make you flourish. Not just survive, but flourish. I would say that's, that's a pretty flourishing 
thing. None of us knew this was going to happen tonight. I, he just asked me this morning, and I had been mumbling about this at the men's prayer breakfast, because that's what you do when you get something in your head. You mumble, and he said, would you take five minutes and share this? And Karen spoke to me at the beginning of the service, and she said, tonight, tonight. If he asks for somebody tonight, I'm going to do it tonight. So God does all these kinds of things to make you flourish because you need to know what he's doing in other people's lives because that is attractive to us. When we see this, that's why we need to talk to each other. So he started out with the tree and man took from that tree and in the new kingdom, the leaves of this eternal tree is going to be for the healing of the nations. Now I know some of you are into herbal medicine, but none of that herbal stuff is as good as this. You just eat leaves if you're sick for whatever. There is no more disease because the leaves of the trees are so powerful that all the nations of the world will be healed. You won't have to go to a doctor or a psychiatrist. You can eat leaves. And then there's one more tree. How is going to God get how is God going to get people to be humble? And poor in spirit. As he talks about in Matthew 5, these blessed people. Blessed is the man who is meek. To the Romans and the Jews, being meek meant you got left out. But God says, I'll take care of you. I'll watch out for you. I'll intervene for you. How can I be meek? I'm lost. Oh, there's one more tree. We call it the old rugged. And there the Son of Man, because of the disobedience with the first tree, came and gave his Son on that tree so that we could come back to him and flourish. And on that cross, that dead tree, which was a stump of wood, was the most fruitful thing God ever did. Because he says, this tree brings forth fruit. And one of the things we were talking about was, it should be noticeable to other people that I am bearing fruit and you are bearing fruit. It should be noticeable. He walked by a fig tree one day and cursed it because it had leaves on it and no fruit. He's expecting that because of the glorious thing that Jesus did on a stick of wood, it's kind of like Aaron's, rod from a tree that budded and flowered and gave fruit to prove that Aaron was the, the one that God chose as high priest. So this dead stick of wood, which they used to curse the sun, became the most fruitful thing that God ever did, even beyond creation. Because nobody else could have done that. It's a fruitful tree by the rivers of water whose leaf does not fade. I used to know the name of every plant at my house. Most of them are dug up now because I can't take care of them anymore. I used to know their names. And I could tell by looking at a plant, by looking at its leaf, whether it was drought or insects or too much water or disease. I was telling them in the study I heard this from a woods guy, so I'm assuming it's true. Bird's eye maple is one of the most expensive maples, pieces of wood ever. It is so very rare. 
You cannot tell if a maple tree has bird's eye maple until you cut it down. You can't look at a bird's eye maple and go, I'm going to cut that one down because that's bird's eye maple. And what this guy told me was this. Bird's eye maple is not a breed of trees. Otherwise, people would grow them and make lots and lots of money. It's hundreds of dollars for a small piece of bird's eye maple. Bird's eye, uh, bird's eye maple is formed through adversity and disease from the other trees around it. It picks up this disease and it transforms that ordinary tree into this most magnificent tree. So that when you have stuff that you pick up from life in your family, with your kids, with your spouse, in your life, that should destroy you, it actually turns you into something which is attractive and beautiful and glorious if we handle this correctly. The wicked are not so. Not so much the wicked. See, there's not only an advantage over others when I'm blessed by Christ or an aversion to evil, and we know what that does in the world, and an addiction to God and an attraction to others. But my last one is an apparent dilemma. The wicked are not so, but not like a tree, but like chaff. Chaff is the smallest part when you harvest. It's not grain. It's not stem. It's just trash. It's the little itty-bitty pieces on the outside of all of this that the wind blows away. That's exactly what a wicked person is like. That's the value that a wicked person has. And yet Jesus Christ went to the cross, to that dead tree, that he might redeem these wicked people to himself. The wicked are not so, but like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So you have a blessed man who is going to flourish and a wicked man who is going to perish. Who is that? There are only two types of people in the world. Those who say there are two types of people in the world and those who say there's not two types of people. No. There are two types of people in the world. One of them is blessed and the other one is cursed. One of them flourishes. One of them is attractive. And the other one, just the wind. That's all it takes is the wind. And it blows it away and he perishes. So there is an apparent dilemma here. And the dilemma is solved by the gospel. Because the price that Jesus paid, not for a bird's eye maple, okay? If we were stunning individuals of character and worth, and Jesus died for us, that's one thing. We were chaff. We were lost. We were perishing. And the apparent dilemma is, how does he get these wicked people to be blessed? How can he say when he gets to the New Testament, blessed is the man who's persecuted, who suffers for righteousness' sake, who thirsts after God? What wicked man do you know who thirsts after God? 
there has to be this glorious message of the gospel where the most blessed man in the universe became the cursed man of the universe. And that's good news of the gospel. When I receive that, then I can be meek and I can be humble and God is going to take care of me most of all, he's going to bless me. So Paul says in Ephesians, Blessed be our Father, who in Jesus Christ has solved this apparent dilemma, which is, I'm about to perish. I am lost. I am so unattractive. And the only person in the universe who finds me attractive because I'm chaff is God Almighty himself. And he buys me and is transforming me from chaff into a tree that flourishes by rivers of water. That's all the people he surrounds us with. That's all the circumstances he puts together when our life looks like a shambles. The wicked, not so, unless the dilemma is solved. And on that dead stick of wood that we call a cross which used to be a tree which no longer is God did this transforming magnificent act of solving the dilemma and above everything else that's going on in your life you are blessed if you know Jesus Christ you are so blessed Not just here and now, but when you die, when you're gone, when it's over, then the blessing just begins. So that's my five-minute introduction to blessed are all these people because the dilemma is solved. And now you know why I wanted him to share that. You can't just read the Sermon on the Mount the same way you used to. He's going to begin to unfold right in those opening ten verses we'll look at next Sunday morning. Read them again. Blessed are. Is that where we are? That's the challenge. And we know in theory we are blessed. But what about in practice? Does it show? That word attraction, very, very key. Thank you very much, Al, for sharing. Go home and get some rest. Karen, for sharing. And for all of us, we've been blessed, have we not? In the lives of His people. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank You for the evening.
We are truly blessed. God, help us to apply the, the principles we're gleaning from your word this week, starting right now. That the world may know that we have a different master. And we delight in you. We thank you. Dismiss us with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.